to, uh, I want to just, I guess, again, talk to you a little bit this evening, and uh, I want to I begin with a question, and that question is basically this, are you a consumer, or are you a conduit? Are you a consumer, or are you a conduit? According to the uh, Cambridge Dictionary, it defines a consumer as a person who buys goods or services for their own use. A person who buys goods or services for their own use. According to Webster's Dictionary, a conduit is a means of transmitting or distributing. A means of transmitting or distributing. So one more time, I want to give you these two definitions. A consumer is a person who buys goods or services for their own use. And a conduit is a means of transmitting or distributing. So I want to ask you again this evening, are you a consumer or are you a conduit? I think a lot of our focus the last couple of months has been on ourselves. It's been on navigating this crisis. It's it's been on how do we get through this. I think uh, a portion at least, and I know there's been some challenges given, there's been some challenging message that have been ministered, uh, discussions or talks, if you want to call them. I realize that not everything that I've ministered has been uh, encouraging and uplifting, per se. But a lot of the, a lot of the focus of, of uh, especially March and April, was, was on us navigating, on us getting through this, on us ministering to our, our, uh, our minds, our spirits, our emotions. But I, 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 feel, I feel burdened this evening to, to challenge us as, as I believe we are in a time of transition by faith, that we are transitioning out of this, this season of stay at home or safer at home as we are, we are moving, hopefully, back to a little bit more freedom. I think there's a need for us to be reminded of, of some things. And so that's part of the context of my question this evening. Are you a consumer or a conduit? In fact, I think that we in a lot of ways and I, I'm just again I'm just I'm just talking to you this evening from my heart not here calling this teaching or preaching I, I, I'm I have uh, for a couple of different reasons uh, this last week or so just a uh, combination of stirred <laughs> uh, probably I would say in there a little bit of turmoil internal 
turmoil as I once again, from a variety of, or for a variety of reasons, kind of reevaluate who I am, what I am. And, and I mean that in the context of, of knowing that at this season, well, however long that season ends up being, and my hope is that it's till Jesus comes, but uh, at this season being called to be the, the pastor of Antioch Central, of, of reevaluating who I am and what I am as a leader, as a pastor. What kind of a pastor am I going to be? I, I have, again, in, in sort of a variety of ways over the last week or two at least, been a bit challenged by some things, and I'll just I'll be I'll be transparent with you. I've been challenged uh, by some things because of social media, and I don't mean in this particular context challenged in a good way. Um, and, and being very transparent, which I try to do, hopefully not too transparent, if there is such a thing. But I have found myself being challenged, questioning. My, my way of thinking or the way that I do things, the, the values, the mindsets that I have had that I have trusted and tried to believe that they have come from God and that they are based upon the Word of God. But again, because of things I've seen and things I've heard the last several weeks, at times second-guessing myself. And I think part of the challenge is, I believe that much of what we have done in the church, and I'm going to say that in a very broad context, but I believe we have allowed a consumer mentality to creep its way in to the church. Again, that, that word consumer, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, it is a person who buys goods or services for their own use. A person who buys goods or services for their own use. The, 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 uh, uh, part of the bottom line, if you will, of a consumer is, as a consumer, I am about pleasing myself. As a consumer, I am about doing what pleases me. Let's just take the very, very simple analogy of, of eating out. Let's, let's even kind of restrict it to that area of fast food, which I know many of us are not really crazy about. And um, I, I, I personally don't prefer fast food as my first and foremost. But let's just... Let's just use it in the context. We're in a situation. We, we've got to decide where we're going to eat. We, we have our preferences. I, I can remember back to the days of Antioch Christian School, and I can remember both as a student and a, uh, a, a player on the basketball team, and then I can also remember through my years of coaching with Brother Humphrey uh, I, I can remember the bus rides where there was after the games we would stop for food and pretty much it was a given that we were stopping at McDonald's. Every so often there would be an alternative stop 
such as Burger King, but the great majority of the time, McDonald's was the given. And really, part of the reason was the price you could pay and the food you would get. That most of the students didn't have a whole lot of cash to waste, and so McDonald's was cheap. You get a value meal, and back in those days, you get it for a whole lot cheaper than you'd get it now. And so it was, it was about the fact I've got a little bit of money and I want to kind of maximize. You, you've got, uh, we, we, have, we have banking preferences. If we were together right now, we could probably do an informal survey and, of, of some of the places that people bank. And, and, and you have chosen, many of you have chosen the bank that you use for a variety of reasons. No doubt one of those probably for some of you is because of the interest that you can earn on your money. And so the, the, the consumer is about pleasing themselves. That's why the, the, uh, the retailer or the restaurant or the bank or, or whatever else the business is, it is constantly looking for ways to attract customers. And one of the most common things we see in the business world is that a, 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 in a certain market, a, 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 a business, a store, will attract customers from another store or, or another type of, or a, a, another bank um, by, by offering them a better deal, better options, more for less. You get more, you pay less. And and I and I I am I am troubled that that we are reaching that place more and more in the church. That we are appealing to consumer minded people. Now I want you to bear with me because I think I'm probably not going where this sounds like I am at this point. We appeal based on a consumer mentality. What's the latest trends? What's the latest uh, fashion? What's the latest gimmick? What's the latest thing that's going to attract? And so we watch as churches follow the the trends and they follow. They change their they change their setting. They change their appeal. They change their approach because. We are, we are reaching for consumers. And so we make decisions on where we're going to go to church and what kind of a church we're going to be a part of based on the things that we value, based on the things that we want, based on what can I get out of whatever price that I have to pay. And the challenge is when we as believers allow that to become our mentality. When we allow ourselves to get caught up focusing first and foremost on what do I get or what am I getting, it is very hard to stay satisfied. It is very hard to stay satisfied when all you're doing is looking at what you are getting. Because when you're more concerned about what you're getting, it is very easy for that to lose its value, to lose its excitement. A lot of amusement parks 
that I've been to, the bigger ones, it's a common thing that I have seen. I've seen it at King's Dominion. I've seen it at King's Island in Cincinnati. I've seen it at other places where you've got all of the modern rides and usually they leave some of the old wooden roller coasters. I, I, back in my younger years, I would ride just about any roller coaster. There was a few other rides that I rarely would ride or didn't ride, but I pretty much would ride just about any roller coaster. I think I said this recently in a service, but I'm, I'm not even really doing that anymore. Part of the reason is I've got this fear that I'm going to be one of those people on one of those uh, roller coaster trains or cars that gets to the top of the 300 foot hill and gets stuck, and you got to walk down the side of, of the of the of the uh, the roller coaster track. And so I'm just I'm just not interested in that. And the way that I can guarantee that I'm not on that car is to not get in that car. So I choose to stay on the ground. But I've ridden a few of the newer roller coasters in the last several years, and there is no comparison. If I'm not mistaken, the one at King's Dominion is called the Rebel Yell. There is no comparison between the wooden roller coaster that has a few hills and a few curves to these modern-day roller coasters that some that can launch you out at crazy speeds or that go to ridiculous heights. There is no comparison. Why is it that they are constantly creating new rides, new roller coasters? Because they know we've got to keep it fresh. We've got to keep it new. And I tell you this evening, the way that we as the church are supposed to keep it fresh and new is not by the lights, it's not by the decor, it's not by the gimmicks or the tricks that we use, but the way that we must as the church keep it fresh is that every time we gather together, whether that's in a building, on a patio slab, if it's in our homes, if it's a small group, whatever it is, that there is a fresh divine work and move of God. That's the freshness. I said I was just going to talk to you and I'm getting a little bit passionate here, so let me rein it back in at least for a moment. That's the freshness. It's not with a different approach per se. And I acknowledge, I understand, I've heard this for years and years and I believe it. Our message never changes. Our message is unchanging. Our methods can change. Our message should not change, but our methods may change. But I'm also concerned if we're not careful, we can get the wrong motive behind changing some of our methods. Because again, if we're appealing to a consumer mentality, you got to keep it fresh, you got to keep it new. That's why even places like McDonald's and Burger King that are, that are a given, they are established in our community, you constantly find them with something new on their menu, something different on their menu. A lot of those things don't last. They come and they go. There's a few things I've seen advertisements for for some of those places 
that I, I, I'll eat a cheeseburger at McDonald's. It's not, it used to be my favorite. It's not anymore. Places like Five Guys have replaced it for me. Burger King for a while was a go-to. I'll eat a, I'll eat a, a Whopper at Burger King. But there's other things that I just, that, that when I hear them of being in one of those places, they don't fit there, in my opinion. But we, we've seen things that come and they go. Because again, there's a need to attract. There, there's a need to catch attention. I said a few moments ago, I'm probably not heading where you think I am and what I meant by that, and I'll just throw it out. The focus here this evening is not about the church in general and the danger of us appealing to a consumer mentality. My challenge this evening is to us as individuals, again, to the question I posed in the beginning, are you a consumer or are you a conduit? James chapter 4 and verse number 1 says this, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. I've used these verses in another context many times, another focus of teaching and preaching. Again, the, 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 the point I've made is well, some of us would say, well, I've asked and God didn't give it, but the next verse is what explains very clearly. So verse 2 says, you, ask, you have not because you ask not. And then we say, well, I have asked, but I haven't received. Well, verse 3 says this, you do ask, and receive not. But here's the reason why. Because you ask amiss. You don't ask for the right reason. You don't ask for the right motive. The reason that you're not getting it is because you ask amiss. And here's how you ask amiss. Because your desire is to consume it upon your lust. You ask, you try to get, but you don't get it. And why is the reason you don't get it? Because you're just simply trying to consume it upon yourself. Consumers versus conduits. Consumers are about getting what I want, getting what I prefer. Consumers, you can tell somebody's a consumer in their walk with God when they start critiquing when nothing's really good enough, when, when they find fault with everything. I've said it many times and I will say it here again this evening. I will be the first to acknowledge and admit that we as a congregation, we as a church are far from perfect. In fact, I probably spend a greater percentage of my time focused on what I feel like we are lacking and failing in than I do in what I think we are succeeding in. So I'm in no way standing here this evening implying to you that I think we are all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> but I've watched, I've watched through the years, I've watched even before my time of being in a role of leadership and being in the role of a pastor, I've watched as, 
as, as, as in the same ministry or the same congregation, the, the same setting I've watched where you've got a certain person that, is, that has a very critical attitude and spirit, and then at the same time you've got somebody else that thinks what they're involved in and what's going on is the absolute greatest thing in the world. I know there's a variety of things that could be an explanation for that, but in the context of this this evening, can I tell you the difference is one is a consumer. It's about asking to receive for themselves and what benefits them, whereas the other is a conduit. The other is not focused on what can I get, what can I accumulate, what can I have. The other is focused on what can I give, what can I contribute. I want to read a passage to you from Matthew chapter 25. I would imagine that for the majority of you watching this evening, or those of you that may be watching this as an archive, these are some fairly familiar verses. I want you to, I want you to hear them again. I want you to hear them this evening in this context. Matthew 25, I'm going to begin with verse 14. I'm going to read several verses here, so if you've got a way of following along, I'd encourage you to do that. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he, then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I think you can apply this parable in the context of, of the things, not necessarily, in my understanding here, the talent is not necessarily the context of the Holy Ghost per se, but it's the things that God has put into our lives. It is... It is the talents and abilities. It is the giftings and the callings that God has invested in us. And so it says that to one was given five, to another two, and to another one. The, the point of that to me is we, we have to understand God doesn't expect all of us to... to uh, if I could use the word perform in this context, God doesn't expect us all to perform at the same level. One of the beautiful things to me about this passage, this parable, is the fact that the issue, and we'll get to it in a moment, we'll read it in a moment, the issue here was not how did one person compare to another person. That's not it at all. It's not about how well you do in the role you're called to be in compared to how others do in their role. That, that's not the point. Again, as we'll read here in a few moments, that wasn't, that wasn't the issue at all. 
But the point is this. God expects a return on His investment. There is a term in the business world, in the world of finance, that's called return on investment. The very basic definition of that is it is a financial metric that is widely used to measure the probability of gaining a return from an investment. It is a ratio that compares the gain or loss from an investment relative to its cost. If you are going to invest your money in something, you want to have an idea of what is going to be your return on your investment. One thing for sure is you don't want to lose money on your investment. But if you know there's going to be a return, there's going to be a profit on what you invest, then the question becomes, where am I going to get the greater return on my investment? I want to challenge you this evening. I want to challenge those that are a part of this congregation this evening. God is interested in what kind of return on the investment he's going to get. God is very interested in what is his return on the investment. And I got to tell you, he made a pretty major investment because he made that investment on an old rugged cross. It amazes me, it amazes me how often we argue and fuss over what the Word of God asks of us, what God expects of us. When, when we look at, if we compare to the price that He paid for us, I want to find some, some cheap bargain way to live for a full price salvation and I look at the way God paid a price. Verse number 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now watch this. Then he which had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not reaped or straw. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So he's saying here, I, I have brought back what you gave me. I protected what you gave me. I preserved what you gave me. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. 
Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Really, I think the 2020 idea would be, if nothing else, you should have put it in the bank so that I would have gotten a little interest. Rather than hiding it under your mattress and protecting it, you should have put it in the bank and I would have gotten a little bit of return. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. So again, I, I know I made this point already, but I want to come back to it now that we've read these verses. The issue here was not the guy that brought one talent back. The Lord didn't. The Lord didn't look at him and say, this guy brought ten talents, you've only brought one. We know, that's the, we know that's not the issue because the guy with two talents brought two more talents and he was not compared to the guy that now had ten talents. The issue was you had something invested in you. You have had something entrusted to you and you did nothing with it. We are not here to be consumers. We are not here to see how much blessings from God we can accumulate. How many good touches from God can we get? How many many answers to my prayers can I get? That's not why we're here. There is an investment that has been made in us and God is interested in us being conduits, not consumers. Watch this, verse 30. This This is to the guy that simply protected what was given and did not use it to accomplish anything. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to take you back for a moment. Find it here quickly. And the Lord comes back and the guy with five talents comes and brings them and he's got five more talents. I want you to notice verse 21. Notice what the Lord says. He says, well done. Verse 23, the guy with two talents comes back and he's got two more talents. And the Lord says unto him, Well done. Well done. I want to ask you a question this evening. What have you done? Please understand as I talk to you, I'm also talking to me. What have you done? What have I done? To be able to hear the Lord say, well done. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, I think possibly a Thursday night again. Much of it blurs together. 
I just very briefly mentioned the difference or that there is a difference between salvation and rewards. I'm talking here about just simply our salvation. What have you done with what God has invested into you? What have you done with the spiritual resources that God has invested in you? But what have you also done with the natural resources? I have a question for us this evening. If we were to stand before God at this moment, if we were to stand before the Lord, and if you notice in this parable, the Lord is not capital L-O-R-D. It's talking about the master, the owner of these talents. But for you and I, it's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. If we were to stand before the Lord this evening... Do I have things, do you have things to present for Him to respond and say, well done. Well done. I invested some things in you. I gave some things to you. And you did not simply protect them. And you did not simply use them for your own benefit, your own pleasure. You, you, did, you, you impacted lives. You, you impacted communities. You, 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 you made a difference by what I gave you. Well done. Well done. I guess, I guess in continuing the transparency, I've, I've thought and, and I think hopefully maybe not by the same measurements as others, but I've actually thought a couple of times in these last couple of weeks and even before this most current crisis, I've, I've wondered a couple of times if, if, if we as a church were to no longer exist, what kind of impact would that have on our community? If we as a church shut down, would we be missed? If we as a congregation closed the doors and never assembled again. Oh, I know that there's, there's places where there, a church would be missed because of how many people they feed. And that's wonderful. And I'm not against that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But I, I know there's some places that would be missed because of, because of some of those natural things that they do. And I'm not here in any way trying to criticize that this evening. But, but that, that's not really the, the, the most important thing to me. And I wondered a little bit the last couple of weeks. Thankfully, I think there's some ways in which I could say yes, but, but I also have to tell you, just being transparent, I'm not sure we would be missed as much as we should be missed. Because if we are simply consuming, what, 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 uh, what, what life course can I go to that's going to help me? What, what, uh, what small group can I be a part of where I'm going to receive from? What, what service can I go to? What gathering can I go to so that I can get something? I, I started to bring a couple of the uh, Living Logos books and use them this evening as a visual. But I, I, I think there's a lot of us that have lost our motivation with Living Logos and the grow process. And, and that's, this is really probably a whole other subject for another night. But I think the reason for that is because we're not doing it with the right motive. As I've said it many times in the last couple of months, 
when we launched all of it, and I'm going to say it again this evening, the goal of the growth theme and the, grow, the goal of the discipleship project uh, process is not to increase our knowledge. It is not for us to become spiritually fat because we have consumed so much of the Word of God. The purpose is to be trained so that we can go and do and let there be a return on God's investment. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. Two verses. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And here is why. Here is why. Man, the church world wants to blend into the world be like everybody else, look like everybody else. They don't want to be peculiar. But listen to what Peter says. The reason is, is so that you can show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'm not in any way about to say this is the the, the, the primary summary or, or first and foremost because I'm, uh, I'm not prepared, I haven't thought through it enough even as much as I would like to think I'm just trying to let the Spirit of the Lord flow. I know that our flesh can get in the way of that. But one of the primary reasons the church exists is to show forth His praises. That's why we're here. We're not here so that we can simply have wonderful church services, come together for a time of worship, have a great outdoor service and see one another and get a good feeling, a good touch from the Lord and go back to our lives. We are here to be conduits for God to show forth through. Got a question for you as I quit this evening. Are you, are you unhappy right now as you walk with God? Are you wonder how many of you maybe maybe you're struggling through these last couple of months and your walk with God's not quite where it needs to be and coming out of this you may not be quite where you need to be because it hasn't been doing for you what you'd like it to. The greatest impact that has happened through the lives of people throughout the history of time has not been by consumers. It has not been by people who were living life to simply get what they could get to satisfy themselves. It's been the greatest heroes that have made the most impact are those that chose for their life to be a conduit. Some were a conduit that had great resources and abilities and talents to be a conduit with or for. Others, it really wasn't about their ability and their talent and their resources. It was simply about the fact they made a decision life was not about them. It was not about simply what they could consume for their own benefit and their own pleasure. So again, I've just felt a bit burdened. I think there's been a part of this last couple of months that is reasonable for us to 
focus on ourselves and minister to one another. But I feel a burden to remind us this evening that's not why we exist. We don't exist so a few of us can come together, and I say that relatively speaking. 200 plus people or so compared to hundreds of thousands around us is few. We don't exist so we can come together for just nice little enjoyable time of worship and go back to our lives, hear a nice little sermon and go back to our lives. There is a Lord who has invested treasure in every one of us and He is expecting a return on that investment. Father, help us tonight. God, it is so easy in our humanity to get focused on the temporal dimension, to get caught up with the life we're living and what's going on or what's not going on in our lives. I pray that You would help us tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that upon this congregation of Antioch Central, there would be a fresh and a new focus that would come upon us, that we are not consumers. Individually, we are not consumers to get as much as we can from You, as many blessings, as many things as You will give us. But we're here to be conduits that our world may be impacted that You might show forth through us. That You might show forth. You have called us. You have made us a peculiar people so that You could show forth. I pray, God, that You would be able to do that through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking time to join us this evening. God bless you.